What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about four ways to lose fat faster without cutting calories. So let's go ahead and just hop right into this topic. So if you've ever dieted on your own, you know at some point during the diet, things will stall out or plateau and it can really be pretty frustrating. Now, we know that the fat loss equation is calories in versus calories out. So the first thing you might do when you experience the plateau is cut your calories down more. Now, well, calories in, calories out is king and really the thing that determines if you're losing, maintaining, or gaining. There are other levers you can pull first that affect your calorie balance without actually needing to pull calories right out of the gate. So really when clients start coaching with us, um, the first thing we work through is a checklist to make sure it's a true plateau. This is something I've discussed on previous episodes, but basically when we're approaching a potential plateau in a client's progress, we first look to are the client's measurements decreasing. From there, is scale weight decreasing? If no, have you hit an abrupt progress stall or has hunger increased? Which would of course indicate it's not metabolic adaptation because metabolic adaptation doesn't happen quickly. So an abrupt stall or a big drop off in hunger would probably indicate some inaccuracy in your tracking or you're moving less. From there, if we rule that out, are you consistently hitting your macros? Are you measuring your food accurately? Are you hitting your daily movement goals? Has it been at least two weeks since we adjusted your macros? And have you had a diet break in the last eight to 12 weeks? Now from there, that is really how we determine, yes I do or no I don't need a macro adjustment. But even if all those check out, there are still other levers we can pull before making a drop in calories. So you're probably wondering, um, why do we even want to look for these other levers if instead of just pulling back calories, if that's the easiest way to skew calorie balance? So the thing to understand here is we want fat loss, not just weight loss. The more calories you're able to eat while you diet, the more energy you'll have, the more micronutrition you'll be able to get since you'll have more food, which means you'll stay healthier and the harder you can train, which means you'll be able to maintain more muscle mass or even build more muscle mass. And if you maintain more muscle or build more muscle, you'll end your diet with better aesthetics and add a heavier weight, which means to speed your metabolism and less likelihood of weight regain. So all that said, let's look at the four primary levers we can pull to increase fat loss again without cutting calories. And the first of those is increasing your protein intake. So um, increasing protein can help get fat loss going again for a few different reasons. First of all, protein has the highest thermic effect of food. Just through eating and digesting, you'll burn about 20 to 30% of the calories you eat from protein. And compare that to carbs, which are at about 5 to 15%, and fats, which are about 0 to 5%, and you can easily understand why it increased your intake, especially if you're already below 0.8 to 1 grams of protein per pound of body weight, can really ramp up your calories burned in a day. Because protein is also or excuse me, alongside that, protein is also the most filling macronutrient. Now, while this doesn't directly cause your calorie equation to change, it can have an effect on your intake if you're less hungry. So if you're tracking your intake and hitting your targets, it wouldn't theoretically make a difference, but if you're hungry, there's a higher chance of eating past your targets or at the very least feeling more uncomfortable. And more than anything, this is one of the little art of coaching things we do, where, hey, okay, even if it does look like on paper you're hitting your calories on point we know again like the higher your hunger is the less comfortable your diet is and straight up it won't always be comfortable but the higher hunger is the harder it's going to be for you to adhere to this the more likely little nibbles licks bites and tastes are going to start sneaking into your food intake and going untracked 
which can stall fat loss. So in a roundabout way, this is a way to make your tracking more accurate. Um, protein is also the building material for muscle tissue. And as mentioned, the more muscle you have, the easier your fat loss will be. Now, while each pound of muscle only burns about six to seven calories per day, it is still more than a pound of fat, and that's when you're at rest. There are other factors that can increase calorie burn over the day if your body fat percentage is lower. The first is that if you have more muscle, you are likely heavier. A heavier body burns more calories both at rest and during movement. You're also probably able to put more power into your lifts, making the same training program more thermogenic than at a higher body fat percentage. And muscle also acts as a storage unit for glucose. So, so the more muscle you have, the more carbs you can eat and store within the muscle without spiking blood glucose or having as many of them stored in fat tissue. Next is increasing NEAT. Now, NEAT stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This includes all of the movement you do outside of structured exercise. NEAT includes things like walking around, cleaning the house, playing with their kids or dogs, and even things like blinking, tapping your heel while you sit, sitting upright with good posture, etc. Now, there are four different ways you burn calories that together are called your metabolism. The components are basal metabolic rate, non-exercise activity, digestion, and exercise. We already touched on digestion, so we're really gonna dig into those first two components, basal metabolic rate and NEAT. So basal metabolic rate is the largest portion of your calorie burn. It makes up about 60 to 70% of your metabolism. Now your BMR is determined by things like your weight, height, and muscle mass. Short term, we have very little control over your BMR. Now, NEAT is the next highest percentage of calorie burn, and we do have some control over this one. While you probably won't want to try to control your fidgeting and blinking, you can increase NEAT by moving more throughout the day. Increasing NEAT has been shown to make up to a 2,000 calorie per day difference in individuals of the same size and gender. Now, someone who's naturally lean is probably just someone who moves quite a bit more and fidgets quite a bit more than someone who's naturally heavier. So when you diet, your body tries to conserve energy to prevent too much weight loss. And our, our body's primary goal is survival. So it'll really downregulate things like thyroid hormone output and meat will increase in hunger hormones to encourage you to stay the same size. Now downregulating meat means you'll start fidgeting less, slouching when you sit, sit instead of stand, and put off doing chores that require energy. Now, since we can't quantify most of these, we have clients track steps. Um, a step count is a good way of auto-regulating your knee and can be altered willfully instead of something like blinking where you won't have much control. Typically, as you diet, if you aren't aiming to hit a step goal, you'll see your steps gradually decrease over time and that can lead to an early stall in fat loss progress. So you can use a step goal to make sure that your steps stay consistent they're not decreasing over time. And you can also use steps as a lever to pull to keep progress going by increasing your step count over the course of the diet. Walking more steps is usually more effective than adding cardio because you can add a cardio session but make up for it by walking and moving less over the rest of the day, in which case you'll be adding fatigue without actually increasing output. Walking is also easy to add in small doses throughout the day and has the added benefit of being a parasympathetic activity you can do in the sun, which is also great for reducing steps, or excuse me, reducing stress and getting more vitamin D. So, Typically with clients in application, 
Again, before we add too much cardio, unless we're also chasing like a specific energy system adaptation. So for example, if we were in a neuro phase or a strength phase, we might introduce some hit as well to further push along the progression of the anaerobic energy system, which we're really specifically there, the anaerobic alactic energy system, which we're really trying to progress. But typically we're gonna more push for this as a whole high energy, high energy flux state where we're pushing to increase steps because typically that is gonna be a little bit more effective if you're ignoring steps but adding cardio. Oftentimes what's happening is again like, hey, I might've added 20 minutes of cardio today, but without realizing it, because I was gassed out from that, I moved less than I typically would. So it kind of cancels itself out. So, and that's not always the case, but again, even if we do add cardio, we need to make sure steps are staying consistent outside of that. So lever number three is managing sleep and stress. Now stress doesn't directly cause a stolen fat loss or cause fat gain, but it does do a few things that can have a big effect. First, stress increases cortisol. Cortisol can cause sleep disturbance, blood sugar dysregulation, and water weight retention. When water weight is up, it can mess with the dieter's confidence in their plan because it looks like you're stalling or gaining weight when you're actually just puffy and bloated. If you lose confidence in the plan, you can make changes too quickly or give up altogether. Next, stress causes a lot of people to overeat or have cravings for calorie-dense foods, which increases the likelihood of going off plan. High stress also compromises sleep and vice versa, which has its own set of problems because sleep has a direct correlation to muscle mass and fat mass. Studies consistently show us that seven to nine hours of high quality sleep has better outcomes for health, increased muscle mass, better recovery, and less body fat. Poor sleep means higher ghrelin, the hunger hormone, and lower leptin, which is a fat burning, hunger suppressing hormone. So if you or your clients, if you're a coach listening to this, stall in your fat loss, you should really check sleep quality and quantity before pulling more calories. Not only can helping them improve their sleep get fat loss going again, but pulling calories too low at an inappropriate time can make sleep even harder. To see an immediate improvement in sleep, I would really try implementing a sleep routine. Your routine can be tailored to you, but an example might be something as simple as, maybe you're gonna read for 20 minutes before red, before bed, excuse me, um, in low light. So bright lights and screens suppress melatonin and can make it harder to sleep. Next, brain dump journal. Basically, this helps keep your mind from wasting when you're trying to fall asleep. So typically, all the things are stressed throughout the day. I like a, to think of brain dump as, hey, I'm just going to write whatever thoughts come to mind. Um, and very similarly, like if you're an entrepreneur or you have a high stress job, I found it's extremely helpful here to just write out a list of everything that you have to do the next day. So all your tasks for the next day, just out there on paper. And I've often, like when I've really struggled with sleep because I'm waking up stressed in the middle of the night, I've often gone through just leaving a notepad right by my bed. This is something I recommend to a lot of clients as well, to where, okay, even if you wake up and you're like, oh man, I have to do this and I hope I don't forget to do this and like this little detail, just write it on the notepad. You can go right back to sleep. It's so helpful. Rather than just laying there in bed, like thinking, man, I hope I don't forget this. Man, I don't, I hope I don't forget this. And then finally, meditate or deep breathing. These again, put you in a parasympathetic or rest and digest state and make it easier to fall asleep. And finally, the fourth lever we can pull is improving food quality. So if you have your macros dialed in and see fat loss stall, you may need to check the sources of your calories. So believe it or not, the source of your calories can have an impact on the calories outside of the equation and make a difference in your fat loss. One reason for this is the, is the thermic effect of food, which we already covered a bit when we talked about protein. But remember, each macro has a range of percentages 
of its calories burned through digestion. And similarly, whole unprocessed foods will tend to be higher in that percentage range, while processed foods will tend to be in the lower end of that range. So on one study in the thermic effect of food, they compared two meals. One was whole foods and one was a processed foods meal. The processed foods meal burned 10.7 of the total calories in digestion, whereas the whole foods meal burned 19.9% of calories in digestion. And over time, that can add up to a big ass difference. So a side note here, um, the processed foods meal was a cheese sandwich made with white bread and American cheese. The whole foods meal was a cheese sandwich made with whole grain bread and a slice of cheddar cheese. Whole grain bread is less processed than white bread, but I still would consider that to really be relatively highly processed. So I speculate that if they were to compare equal amounts of carbs, fats, and proteins in something like whole grain bread and cheese versus something truly unprocessed like sweet potato and almonds, the sweet potato and almonds would have an even higher thermic effect. Now, another similar anecdote is that peanuts or almonds will have a, have a higher thermic effect than peanut butter or almond butter, respectively. The processing or grinding of the nuts means your body just does a little less work to break the food down during digestion and requires less energy output, aka calories burned, to do so. So not only do whole foods have a higher thermic effect of food, but they are also more satiating than processed versions. The unprocessed foods typically have more fiber, which is great for fullness and digestive health, but they also are usually more voluminous which activates the stretch receptors of the stomach to keep you feeling more full and less likely to have hunger and cravings throw you off track. So basically a lot of our fullness is literally when our stomach feels stretched out, these stretch receptors are activated and they send the signal to our brain that, hey, we can reduce hunger signals. So that's why like if we look at um, a big ass salad versus like a half a candy bar, well, the calories might be the same. We'll get a lot more full off the big ass salad just because it's literally so much more size in your stomach. Um, or another great way to visualize this again is peanuts versus peanut butter. So think about two tablespoons of peanut butter, which is about the serving size of a ping pong ball and it has 190 calories. A serving of peanuts has the same calories and macros, but is double the size at about a fourth of a cup. One more very important reason to make sure you're including mostly whole foods is for your health. So in the height of the IIFYM diet popularity, this one got completely tossed out the window, but fortunately it started to become more well understood that your health is actually an important piece of fat loss. A healthy body is a responsive body. You can improve your health with less than optimal food selection just by decreasing body fat and or adding muscle mass, but whole foods give you more micronutrients and enzymes that will keep your energy levels up, sleep on point, and hormones in check. One example of this is the thyroid hormone which has a large amount of control over your metabolic rate. Selenium, iodine, and B vitamins are important for thyroid health. Processed foods will have much lower amounts of any, any vitamins, including these three. The same can be said with other organs and hormones. With other vitamins, you'll find in more abundance in whole foods. So if you have more than 20% of your food intake coming from processed foods, it would be worth swapping these out for unprocessed sources to eke out more fat loss. So typically the rule of thumb we give our online clients is 80 to 90% whole foods. Again, we need some flexibility. For most of us, just living a life where we don't eat any processed foods isn't appealing, fun, or sustainable. So we do want some dietary flexibility in there. But for so many reasons, it makes sense to look at this as uh, putting in health as a priority alongside just hitting your macros. Because again, in a very, and it, well, it does come down to calories in, calories out. We often forget that 
that's the most important factor, but it's not the only factor. So many of these different components of your food intake, like what those calories are composed of, affects calories out, affects how many calories you burn, and thus can have a big impact on your fat loss over time. So making these adjustments before pulling calories down any further can make a huge difference in the, in the success and how easy your diet is to stick out at the end. Now, these are the same science back strategies we implement with our online clients undergoing the physique transformation process. So if you're ready to be coached one-on-one -on -one by our team to your best physique ever, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. And that is all I have for you guys for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.